You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. I really do. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. The Packers are facing a Washington team coming in 3-9 and nine off two wins, and they have a crazy approach. No, it's not actually crazy, but there was, there was a lot of fun on Twitter dragging them for this approach, and John Bostic and Jonathan Allen talked about it on Friday. They said the plan is to stop the run and contain Aaron Rodgers, and this, this might, excuse me, and make Aaron Rodgers beat them, contain Aaron Jones. This is not really that new of an idea. Richard Sherman talked about this a few weeks ago, but, but you go back I want to track the evolution of this because I think it's important. You go back to 2014 and Eddie Lacy's ability to run the ball effectively made made teams because the thing was, if you played too deep safety against Green Bay, that was how you slowed down this offense. Make Rodgers stay patient. Make him dink and dunk you. Make him take those underneath plays and hope that he's going to get impatient, that he's going to hold the ball, that he's going to take sacks. In 2014... You had Eddie Lacy. Teams had to bring safeties down. When they brought safeties down, Rodgers went over the top. And when, when Lacy and the running game disappeared, it became much easier to defend this Packers team because you could play too deep and they wouldn't stay patient enough to run the ball. What has evolved over time, what happened in 2015, for example, is the team didn't have enough speed. And so teams said... We can play cover three against this team. We can play single high safety because Green Bay can't beat us over the top. And when you can't threaten teams deep, you become much easier to defend. And so what we saw against San Francisco was a defense to say, we dare you to beat us, Aaron Rodgers. And I think the team played a little conservatively. A lot of short passes, a lot of underneath throws to try and get the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands and mitigate the San Francisco pass rush. Now, what I think you saw on Sunday, and and I have a feeling after, after hearing from some of the players and the discussion with Matt LaFleur was they wanted to be more aggressive. Matt LaFleur talked about wanting to be more aggressive and set up deep shots and, and take shots further down the field in the passing game. If teams are going to say, because the Giants did it too, the Giants said, Aaron Jones will not beat us. And they were effective stopping Aaron Jones. And even Jamal Williams didn't have a great day. It's not just about Aaron Jones, obviously. It's about slowing down the run game. If you slow down the run game, can they do enough in the passing game? And that's a weird thing to say about an Aaron Rodgers team 
or so it would seem. This has been an effective way in the past. You want to see that play action. And you want to see those deep shots, that Lazard touchdown play action. They were able to scheme up deep shots. They took their opportunities down the field. And Rodgers did maneuver through the pocket and and extend plays as well. He did both. This was, I thought, his best performance, mixing his ability to make plays in structure and make plays outside of structure. Because Matt LaFleur, I thought, did a wonderful job mixing run and pass, staying patient with the run game. Because I do think Green Bay is going to be able to run the ball in this game a little bit at least. Washington has a solid front. They stopped Christian McCaffrey. I think it's a it's a fair question to wonder, is this a, is this a game for MVS? Are they going to give him more opportunities? Matt LaFleur talked about it this week. They actually moved Devontae Adams' position. And so when they when they tweaked his role and his spot in this offense, one of the reasons that you are are seeing, I think, a little bit more of this cavalcade of receivers come through is because they tweaked the role that Devontae Adams was playing in this offense. And therefore, I think they're still trying to figure out who fits who fits where around him. And that that means you're going to have to shuffle sometimes. And that's that's okay in the short run. I hope we see more Alan Lazard. I'm not going to beat a dead horse on that, but I think I've made my position on this pretty clear. If they can stay patient with the run game and just keep at it, just keep a defense honest. We don't know yet where that line is. You know, we talk about you know not needing to run the ball to have a, an effective play action game, but where is that line? How little do you need to run the ball to make play action work? Can you run it five times a game and still make play action work? I don't know. But it's, I think there's at some point it's worth trying to find out. I mean, that's something the Patriots would do. Just Tom Brady against a really good run defense, Tom is just going to throw it 50 times. And that's just in the plan. You just know going in that Tom is going to do that. It, it's something that I think you, you, know, you, you can consider in some of these weeks. If everyone's going to plan to do this, just let Rodgers cook. But don't make it, oh, all of these little short passes. The, the thing that I really like and appreciate about the Matt LaFleur offense is it schemes in the deep shots. On every play, there's an opportunity to take a shot. But he has more outlets. Mike McCarthy would run these two-man routes where you, you scheme up a play-action deep shot and then Rodgers is looking around going, he's not there. So now what? And he would just have to run around or take a sack. Matt LaFleur's offense has a receiver, a back, a tight end, leaking out as a safety valve, a release valve. Rodgers has been a little inconsistent pulling the trigger on some of these throws. Guys are open on time, and he has he's not hitting them for whatever reason. And, and you could say, oh, it's the new offense. This was an issue last year. And I don't I don't know what the what the problem is. He's become a little bit more inconsistent in that regard and, and being able to pull the trigger. When he does, he can still do amazing things. I mean, the fourth and 10th throw to Geronimo Allison was unbelievable. Unbelievable. And he made a couple throws in this game that were really incredible. It was not perfect by any means, but you don't need to be perfect when you can create these high-variance plays. On, on throws of more than 20 yards, Aaron Rodgers has a passer rating of 125. When he's throwing the ball down the field... You're, you're, you have a great opportunity because the Packers have the receivers to do it. Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, MVS, 
Even Jay Kumaro at times this year has been has been someone that you can get the ball to down the field. You have to be willing to take those shots. And Rodgers has to be willing to, to throw them. And, and that's why I actually don't mind Rodgers on, on some of these third and longs, especially taking deep shots. Because give your opportunity, give your offense an opportunity to get a chunk play every time out. I don't care down and distance. Chunk plays every time out. And Matt LaFleur talks about being better on early down and distances. That's that's true. They can be, but they're already a great early offense team. They need to get third down worked out, and that's something that that I think we're going to see. I do want to mention one thing with the injury report because Green Bay is healthy, but Washington is as well. Trey Hendrickson out, Paul Richardson out. Not great players anyway. Um, sorry, uh, it's Trey Quinn, not Trey Hendrickson. Uh, and that leaves the Packers in a position where they can shadow Jair Alexander with Terry McLaurin if that's what they want to do. And this is a week to do it. If you're going to do it any week, this is the week because they don't have anybody else. Jordan Reed's hurt. Vernon Davis is hurt. They have Cal- they have uh, Calvin Harmon, who is a nice rookie player. He's a nice rookie player. They don't have anyone else. It's Terry McLaurin and they and and Dwayne Haskins, not a great quarterback. So if there ever was a week to do it, this is the week. And maybe it's something that you sprinkle in. Maybe it's something you do on third down. But I would treat it like the Rams game. I, I don't remember who it was, but but someone in on Packers Twitter, one of the the media guys, was saying, you know, we haven't seen a Jair Alexander signature game yet. He hasn't put together that star performance yet this season. And maybe this is it. And and is it really in a it's not a big game, so maybe you can't consider it that, but just have a week where you have three pass breakups and a pick and you lock down Terry McLaurin. That would be a star moment. So I think this is this is his opportunity. His play has been uneven this year. I think it's been far more good than bad. But it's it he still has given some things up. And so, you know, that's that's something that I would love to see them showcase him. For this game, I got a really good question that I want to get to, and and if you have them, feel free to drop them in the Periscope. Uh, but this was a great, a great, a great one we got on the Locked On Packers fan hotline. It's Rick from Far Texas says, "Hello, Peter. What's happening?" Hello, Peter. What's happening? Great crossover Wednesday with Chris Russell. He was talking about the Washington identity under the new coaching staff, and that got me thinking. Heading into the final quarter of the season. What would you say this team's identity is? We've won and lost so many different ways this year that I can't quite figure it out. Love the podcast. Go Pack Go. So this this defense, we know what the, the identity is. They're a turnover defense. They're a havoc defense. Sacks, turnovers, fumbles, interceptions. That's what they do. They're going to give up yards. They're great in the red zone, but they're going to give up yards. They're going to give up big plays, but they're going to create big plays. That is their identity, and I think it's a fine identity for a team as long as you're not giving up big play touchdowns, and they're and they're really, by and large, not. They're giving up plays, but short of the end zone, and then they're stiffening in the end zone. I swear that's not a blue-chew segue, but it should be. And then offensively, they're a high-variance offense. They are a good team overall. They net out to be a good team. They're top 10 in rushing, top 10 in passing. One of only a handful of teams in the league who can say that. But they are high variance. And they're high variance particularly because of the shot plays in the offense. 
because sometimes they're there and sometimes they're not. And when they're hitting those shot plays, this offense is deadly because they can run the ball. They can play with balance and they can play so many different kinds of ways. The Dallas game, they win with the run game. The uh, Oakland game, they win with the passing game. Offensive identity does not mean that they only do one thing well. I think we get bogged down in that sometimes a little bit too much. What do they do well? Well, Green Bay does a lot of different things well. Some things they do less consistently than others. In the straight drop back game, they're not great. And on the the play-to-play defense, they're not great. But they're a high-variance defense and and really a high-variance offense. But the run game is something that they have been able to rely upon pretty consistently this season. Um, and, and they've been in the top 10, even when the passing game has not been uh, as consistent. The run game, in terms of efficiency, has been. And so that is what you you need in this offense insofar as Matt LaFleur wants to run everything being predicated on the run game. And so when you're able to have success running the ball, this is why teams want to stop the run because that sets that makes them impossible to stop. If Green Bay is running the ball effectively, you can't stop them. Because they're going to they're gonna be able to, on any given play, run any play in their playbook. If you make them one-dimensional, they become easier to defend. And in some ways, this, this brings us back to that first point of teams wanting to stop the run. It's, it's just easier. It's easier to stop the run. And so if you're going to make them one-dimensional, the one dimension that is the easiest to make them be is a passing team. And we just haven't seen them be able to consistently, in a a tough spot anyway, down, for example. We saw it against LA. We saw it against San Francisco. Not be able to to execute if they can't get these shot plays off. And that's something that they do have to improve on. But another another solution, just hit the shot plays. Just, Just hit them. I mean, sometimes it really is that simple. If you just execute better doing what you want to do, you're going to be better. And teams are going to find ways to to stop you because that's how this works. And you just have to be able to counter. You have to find ways to counter. So one thing that we got a question about was the, uh, the halfback screens. And that is something that the last few weeks they have not been able to get going as often. One of the things that I really like about this Matt LaFleur offense is it features creative screens. And so what Matt LaFleur will do is he will have a receiver screen on one side and a halfback screen on the other. The the one version I loved was when they motioned Aaron Jones out and threw the receiver screen to him. And they still had the, the halfback screen on the other side. So out of two running back personnel, out of pony personnel... Against the 49 or against the, the Vikings, it was. They ran that screenplay to Aaron Jones with the, with the screen on the other side. I think it was two plays later, but it was certainly on the same drive. They call the same formation, same everything. They run the screenplay the other way, touchdown Jamal Williams. That's the part of this game, this screen game that I really, really like. They have to be able to execute better. Part of that is to be deceptive in down and distance. They've gotten into some predictable down and distances with it. So when you have penalties, when you have negative plays, when you take sacks, when you have holding calls, when you have false start penalties, now it's first and 15 or it's first and 20, you're in a predictable screen situation. And you have to you have to stay ahead of the sticks to make the screen game most effective. Think of that Vikings drive 
when you get the play to Aaron Jones and then come back with the Jamal Williams play. The illusion of complexity and, and the way that the offenses that build on concepts that a defense has already seen, they're most effective when they're playing in rhythm, which is to say when you get a first down and then you can come back that same drive with the counter to that concept. If you run the concept the first time and the team defends it well or you don't execute it well or both, it is harder to come back to the counter to that concept because they have it covered. And maybe maybe the reason they covered it the first time is because they're susceptible to the counter to it. But these offenses play best in rhythm. And, you know, that is that is something that they have to work on. That's when Matt LaFleur says we have to do first, uh, first and, and second down more effectively. That's what he's talking about. Get themselves into more advantageous situations. The Packers, I think, with the, with this screen game, I would love to see them go to some more of that two running back look. I think it's something they'll do again against Minnesota. Minnesota will have seen it. They'll be ready for it. And maybe that's an opportunity to have counters that we haven't seen yet. I, I think there's still stuff in this playbook that they haven't gotten to that they're waiting for some high leverage moments to unveil. I don't know that they need to be that protective over it, but I, I, I do think there's stuff that they're like, we've got some stuff. We've got some some tricks. And they're not trick plays per se, but they're, they're high leverage moment plays. And and we've we've seen that Matt Lafleur had some some actual trick plays last year. So uh, you know the, with the Titans could be something that we'll see maybe in a in a playoff game or in a big spot against Minnesota. All right, before we finish up here, I want to talk to you about my bookie because my bookie always wants to find ways to make the betting experience more user friendly. They even have customer service people who will walk you through how to do a parlay, a teaser. There's all sorts of ways that you can make money at MyBookie, and they want to help you figure it out. They want to help you win money, and and to wit, when you go to MyBookie.ag and you use the promo code Locked On, they will match your first deposit halfway up to $1,000. If you put $2,000 in your coffers at MyBookie, they will give you Give you $1,000 to play with. Just use the promo code Locked On. So go to mybookie.ag and use the promo code Locked On to get that deposit match. Where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. So do the smart thing and go to MyBookie because at MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. I want to talk a little bit about what happened last night. Uh, I, I don't want to overlook Washington. I have been accused of that before on these Friday shows looking ahead. I, I don't want to look ahead. By the way, I got accused of doing that in the Oakland game. And how did the Oakland game go? I just I just want to say. The, the Bears beat the brakes off the Cowboys. And the Cowboys have quit. I don't think this this win is as, is as impressive as what Green Bay did. Not to mention Green Bay did it in Dallas, full week of rest, and they were up 31-3 in the third quarter. Chicago is is playing better. A couple weeks ago, it looked like this three-game stretch was going to be a cakewalk for Green Bay because Mitch Trubisky was a total disaster. That team had no life. They had no juice. And all of a sudden, they have a little bit of they had a little bit of life. They're kind of like the knight in Monty Python with no legs and no arms, saying, Come back here and come back here, fight like a man. 
it's it's there but like all of a sudden they've got their legs back somehow Mitch Trubisky was not trash he wasn't 300 yards three touchdowns did throw a, a pick to like no one Jordan Lewis made a ridiculous play on the sidelines but it's like Mitch who to whom was that intended don't know unclear and and he'll still do that and I still think ultimately that's what holds them back that is what prevents them from being the team that that they want to be that they need to be I posited on Twitter Friday that maybe if Tom Brady there's now a lot of rumblings and and people in the NFL are listening by the way and and they have thoughts too that Tom Brady could be could be out in New England could be could want out in New England if he doesn't get paid and that Bill Belichick may also want to move on. I mean, there's a lot. There's there's been a lot of smoke here for a long time. Chicago, I don't like. I, I don't want to put it out there, but I put it out there already. So uh, there's there's no walking it back now. And that would it would be. I think it would be terrifying for Packers fans. And I, I think he would be legitimately good in Matt Nagy's offense with that defense. We've seen what he's able to do. It, it is uh, a terrifying thought, but back to this matchup, the Bears are still in the mix, and they are are playing better. I mean, okay, Thanksgiving, not they beat a, a backup to the backup at quarterback, uh, an undrafted rookie, and that's not that impressive, but they still won that game, and then they they really played well against Dallas. That matters. For, for whatever you believe about momentum, they have confidence right now. They're playing in a little bit better rhythm right now. Their quarterback does not look like someone just kicked his dog. It It is a team that is going to come in with a little bit extra rest. I say all of that to say this. That makes this game even more important. It means go out there, beat up a dog team, beat them down, and have Tim Boyle play the fourth quarter. Do what you did to Oakland. Be up. Score 40. Just just beat the crap out of this team. And make a statement. Because the other NFC teams, San Francisco now, they're, they, they've, they've been losing some games. I know they beat the Packers and beat the Packers handily, but all of a sudden, they look vulnerable. New Orleans, they could lose on Sunday to San Francisco. Seattle, what about Seattle looks inspiring right now, especially on defense? They can't stop anybody. This this race is open for Green Bay. And Ben Baldwin wrote a piece about how this is the, the Seahawks are like the luckiest team in modern football. All of the close games that they've won. Green Bay has won essentially all of their close games this year. They don't have the same sort of luck. They've they've won a bunch of games by double digits too. Go out. And put your stamp on this season right now. Tell everyone the Packers are a team to be reckoned with in the NFC. This is their opportunity because Minnesota got to play these games. The other teams have got through the soft part of their schedule. Green Bay played the toughest schedule in the league through more than half the season. These are the games where if you're a good team, you beat the brakes off a bad team. And Green Bay did it last year. It took them a little while in the elements. Giants, this was their Giants MO all year. They play a team tough for, for two quarters, three quarters, and then fall apart. Green Bay took advantage. And they won a game by three scores. Go out and do the same thing this week. I have it I have it 31 to 
15. Something like that. I think Green Bay wins and covers. I'd like to see them win by three touchdowns. And it, it's just, you know, it's their opportunity to, to announce themselves. They get that opportunity on Sunday at Lambeau Field. Thanks to everyone who is watching on Periscope. Thanks to everyone for listening. We're going to be back next week, Monday. And hopefully it's talking about a Packers win and then it's Bears week. So a lot to get to for that. Enjoy your weekend. Stay warm. There's a lot of, uh, of colds going around, so stay healthy. Get your flu shot. Do everything that you can to take care of your body. Follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do so, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.